0: Our scripture reading for this morning is Matthew 28 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Our great God, we come in the name of Jesus, your son and our savior. And we pray in his name that you would speak to us today. That your word, which is truth, would be spoken to us in a way that we would hear and receive Believe, be changed. Pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, it's great to see you all this morning. If you haven't done so yet, please take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 28, uh, where John just read for us. Now, I'm about to poke fun at LJ, but before I do so, let me be really clear. I think he's done a great, great job in planning our mission's emphasis, and I'm very, very excited about it. But in his infinite wisdom, he's given me like the most common, obvious Missions Emphasis Kickoff Passage, to which all of you guys are like, oh, yeah, 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 I know that one, okay? So this gives me an opportunity to just teach you a little something about Bible teaching. The goal of Bible teaching is not to learn something new. Let me say that one more time. The goal of Bible teaching is not to learn something new. The goal of Bible teaching is to be moved to follow Jesus, okay? So I'm not going to say anything new, and let me just go ahead and spoil the rest of the month for you. We're not going to say anything new. But that's not the goal. The goal is for us to be stirred by the Spirit to follow Jesus, to love Jesus, to obey him, all right? Second, the goal of Bible teaching is not to give good reminders. It's for the Spirit of God to wreck us, okay? So it's not just to give out good reminders, but it's for the Spirit of God to to shake us and reorient us and recalibrate us. So I'm pleading with you that for this month, this would be your prayer. Lord, would you reshape me and us and our church. That, that's the prayer today. So what we're going to see in, in Matthew 28 is this, that the risen Jesus gives his mission to his followers. And I don't mean just like verbally says, "They like, oh, I want you to join me in it. It wasn't an invitation. It was literally, I'm leaving the earth and I'm giving it to you, empowered by my spirit to go and carry it out. Jesus gives his mission to his followers. So it's not optional for us. He gives his mission to his followers, to his church. So let's... Look at the passage together. Again, we're doing so with this prayer that the Lord would radically reshape us. First point, if you want to take notes. The sermon was really long, the first service, and we have the governor of this service to, to cut it off, but there is no governor. We're going. And there's one happy person about that. Point number one, Jesus is alive. Now, amen. There should be all of us happy about that. But friends, this is the context. The context of this passage was not Jesus pulling the disciples around to give them a mission strategy. It wasn't Jesus pulling the disciples around to teach them how to do church after he's gone. It was actually this. Jesus died. The people that he came to save killed him. They Put him in a tomb and they rolled a stone in front of it. Jesus was dead. That's all of Matthew 27 and 28. And his disciples weren't wrestling with philosophical meanderings like, how do we best keep his memory alive? No, this is what they were wrestling with. Was he a failure? Was I wrong to follow him? Was he a liar? Then, on the third day, Jesus arises, and he says, tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee, and they'll see me. And the passage says, they went to Galilee, and they saw him. Because he is alive. Which means he's defeated death. Which means he's overcome sin. Which means he can offer life abundant and everlasting. Which means he is the Lord he said he was. Which means he keeps. His word. Verse 16: The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So notice what happens. They see him. He declares that not only has he defeated death, but he has authority and power in all of the earth and all of heaven. Everywhere, everywhere, Jesus is reigning. He's the king. He is who he said he would be. The appropriate response to Jesus is worship. It's awe. It's fear. It's joy. These are the responses to Jesus. And quite frankly, if the gospel of Matthew would have ended right there at the end of verse 18, it would have been a great story. He came. He lived a perfectly law-abiding life on behalf of a people. He offered that life as a sacrifice to pay the penalty of the sin and rebellion of a broken, rebellious humanity. He was buried, he rised, he defeated sin, he defeated death, and he's the king over everything. That's a tremendous story that changes everything. But Jesus goes one step farther. And he says, I give you my mission. So mission begins with God. It begins with the enthroned Jesus. It begins with those who have seen Jesus, been redeemed by Jesus, are filled with worship and awe and joy. So what I'm ultimately saying is what we need to fuel mission is more of Christ, more awe of Christ, more worship of Christ, more appropriate fear toward Christ, and more joy in Christ. This is the launching point, is to know Christ and see the power that he has exerted to redeem his world. This is the beginning point of mission. But again, Jesus doesn't stop there. He Pushes it one step further. He sends us. And so that's our second point. Jesus sends us. Look at verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So Jesus says, I'm alive. I have authority in all of earth and all of heaven. Now, go. I send you. Go. Go to do what? Make disciples. Go make disciples. This is the mission. This is the commission that Jesus gives. Now, I always try to bring humorous Christian academic debates to the surface so that we can chuckle at Christian academics and not want to be like them. There's much debate about the word, what the word go means. I'm just here to tell you. But you know what go means? It means go. Go is an intentional word. It's an intentional word. You don't accidentally go. He's saying with intentionality, move outward to make Disciples, go doesn't just happen. It's not a default mode, but what Jesus is ultimately saying is don't stay huddled up, cultivating fond memories of me, but go and tell of who I am. Go and tell of what I've done. Go invite others to the kingdom that I am building. I don't know if this is on purpose or not, but you see the wisdom here, right? It's green. Go. <laughs> it's not red. It's not even yellow. It's green. The mission is to go. Now, before I go beyond go, often when we're having these missions emphases and we say go, some of you are like, oh, so he means that like one or two of us should like tunnel a hole through the world and come out on the other side and move over there. Yeah, I mean that. We're praying that next year, some of you won't be here because God has sent you. But that doesn't let the other 98% of us off the hook. Go means with intentionality, look out from the holy huddle and take the gospel of Jesus with you. So you can go to your neighborhood. You can go to your workplace. You can go to your school. You can go to Drake's Creek Park to all the thousands of activities that are going on in there right now, which many of us are like, dude, hurry up because I need to go join them. Go at the end, but go with the gospel with the intentionality of making disciples. Go. Jesus is not commissioning vacations, but he's commissioning intentionality by his church to see the gospel move forward. So go to do what? Go to make disciples. This has become the Christian buzzword of all Christian buzzwords, which, which just gets thrown around all the time. This is very, let's make this very, very simple. Disciples align with a teacher, follow a teacher, and observe the ways of a teacher. Disciples align with a teacher, follow a teacher, and observe the ways of a teacher. So to make disciples of Jesus is to lift high Jesus to say align with him, commit your ways to him, trust in him and what he does and where he sends you, do them and go. Observe his way. So to make disciples is to move people toward Jesus. I'm a math nerd, it's how God made me so we're gonna do a math illustration here. Some of you are like amen and some of you are like oh no. Well, something that's been very helpful for me when it comes to this idea of making disciples is to think about a number line, okay? Think about a number line. Everybody remember the number line? We go from like negative 10 to positive 10 or negative 100 to positive 100. Or if you have a really big sheet of paper, you can do the infinity to the infinity thing. It doesn't matter, but we have a number line. I think a way to think about making disciples is to help people move forward in any way toward Jesus. So if, you, if you're engaging with somebody who's really far from the Lord, and maybe they're really far from the Lord because they're an intellectually academic atheist and they have philosophical questions. Well, look, philosophical questions don't save people. But removing barriers to the gospel so that someone would consider Jesus would be moving them forward down the line. At the end of the day, it's always inconvenient to repent of your sin Leave your sinful way of life and come to Christ. So, being the one who maybe just asks the question, What are you unwilling to give up because you fear what Christ might call you to? That's moving someone forward in faith. Or maybe you get to be with someone when they first express faith in Jesus. Or maybe you meet someone who's been walking with Jesus longer than you've been alive and you just get to keep help them keep going. That's making disciples. And it's helped me to think of discipleship in that way. Anything I can do to help somebody take some steps forward is the act of making disciples. But Jesus so, so making disciples certainly happens within the church. It, it, it better. But Jesus here is particularly talking about going from the, the gathering, going from the gathered people for the purpose of making. So making disciples needs to happen in, and the beginnings of that process needs to happen everywhere we are. So how do we do this making disciples thing? Jesus tells them two things. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So you have two things, baptizing and teaching to obey. We live in a a current evangelical climate where baptism is kind of being minimized. Like, like, well, maybe we don't need to get too uptight about this type of baptism over that type of baptism, or, or lots of fun conversations that we could have over lunch today when you pay. But, um, but Jesus doesn't minimize it. He doesn't. Reading through the, the flow of the whole New Testament, baptism is an act representing something. It represents conversion. It represents allegiance to Jesus. It represents new life in Christ. So there's this public act of identifying with what Christ has done for us. So if our goal of the mission is to baptize, then what we have to call for is repentance and faith. What we have to call for is conversion. What we have to call for is allegiance to Jesus. What we have to call for is a new way of life. And then we joyfully say, let me help you identify with Jesus. The work of making disciples always has conversion and faith and baptism, identifying with Christ and his church, central in it. I got some feedback after the first service that I accidentally implied that we should all just go out and start baptizing people. And so let me undo that. Don't do that go out and share the gospel with people so that the church of Jesus can baptize them in an appropriate way. Second, teaching to obey. Jesus says, we don't just wanna lead people to baptism, but we wanna lead people to observe all that Jesus has commanded, meaning to use their whole life to walk in the ways of Jesus. So, I if, I, if I can just be controversial, controversial on favor. Like, I get very frustrated when churches set these huge baptism goals. And it's not because, it's not because baptism's a bad thing, it's because baptism as a standalone act means nothing. Baptism is a symbol of commitment to Jesus. So let's have some discipleship goals. Like, let's make a thousand new disciples. Sign me up. I don't know how we'll count it, but sign me up. But let's just see how many people we can give a bath to not interested in that. Okay, now I'm back. Because the mission is to baptize and make disciples. Those two things can't be separate. And every tradition that I'm aware of that's faithful to the history of the church believes that a new convert should be, a new convert who's never been baptized should be baptized because it's identifying with Christ. And that's what the New Testament says. We can talk about that more if we need to. But the mission of making disciples includes a new way of life committed to Jesus and teaching to obey everything that Christ has commanded. So parents, let me just burst your bubble for a minute, okay? I love you. I'm for you. But so many of us are hardwired to think that that when our kids profess faith and they go up there and get baptized, that that our work is done. No, 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 no. Our work's just starting. You just went from raising a heathen to raising a sister in Christ that it's your responsibility to teach, to observe all that Jesus commanded. Oh, that's heavy. Yeah. Yeah okay? It's also important that we know that replication's built into this, right? So Jesus speaks a word of command to his disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that commanded you, So if I'm going to teach you to observe all that Jesus commanded, that's going to include this command to go and make disciples. So this replication is built in, okay? So Christian, Jesus has not redeemed you just so that you can feel better about life, but he's redeemed you so that you can join his church on a mission to reach the nations with the good news about Christ, Anybody feel a little overwhelmed by that? Good, welcome. Welcome to the club. Verse 20 is a gift to us. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the third point is Jesus is with us. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see what Jesus is saying? I'm sending you. I'm sending you on this mission And I'm gonna take this authority that I have in all places and I'm gonna use it always as you go. I'm gonna use it always as you go. We're not alone when we take the gospel with us. And the us here is the church of Jesus. It's all those that belong to Jesus. So we're redeemed, we're one with Christ, we're sent and we're cared for as we go. So here's the question for us all to ponder today. What if we deeply and truly believe the promises of this text? What if we deeply and truly believe the promises of this text? What would change in our way of life? What would change in our ministry? What would change... Jesus is effectively saying, I've given you everything you need, and I'm sending you to to do this. Okay, now, this is the hard part. How do I conclude this sermon without heaping on loads of guilt that won't make it through the Lord's Supper? Or without letting everybody off the hook so we can think that the mission's just for the professionals? how do I end this sermon without over here making each individual feel like it all rests on each individual? And yet, how do I end the sermon without making it sound so collective that we feel like there's nothing for us in this? So I think the reality is the mission was given to the church. But who is the church? The church is the disciples of Jesus. It's not a building it's not the leaders. It's not the leadership teams. The church is the people who belong to Christ, right? Open up all the people. Like, that's what the church is. Whether you have a steeple to share or not, right? <laughs> our church is just messing that up. We don't have a steeple. I don't know if that's good or bad. And the little kids are like, what's he talking about? So I think the reality is the Lord has put us, Redeemer Church, on mission to take the gospel, not just here, but to our community and to our state and to our nation and to our world, and we don't get to hide from that. And then there's this tension of, well, when I lean into this commission and follow, well, that's us doing it, right? And when you lean into it and you follow, that's us doing it. And when we support individuals collectively, that's us doing it. And when we go on trips, that's us doing it. So, so I don't feel a need to look at four or five different bins of how the church carries out the mission and try to pick one or like reconcile it. I'm just like, I'm for all the bins, okay? So when you lean into the, the mission of Jesus, we're leaning into the mission of Jesus. And when I lean into it, we're leaning into it. And when my family does, we're leaning into it. And when your family does, we're leaning into it. And when we send people on a trip, we're leaning into it. And we support somebody in the former USSR who's planting churches, we're leaning into it. And when we coordinate something that you get to participate in, we're leaning into it. And when you're frustrated that we're not coordinating just the right thing, so you coordinate something yourself, we're leaning into it. Like like we're just for all of God's people leaning into his mission. And we're for all of God's people not trying to escape the realities of the mission. So I want to give you nine ways to get to take a step forward in mission. And some of you guys that have been rocking mission for a long time, you're gonna be frustrated by my nine things because you're gonna be like, oh, those are just such baby steps. I know. But but Jesus is gonna be with us in the baby steps and then Baby steps can become big steps, and then big steps can become running, and then running can become marathons, and he'll be with us all the way. So I have nine kind of first steps toward mission, and if you're feeling really bold, you can commit to all nine of them, okay? Sound good? Ready, break. Number one, get one of these green brochures, the deep winter green, not the light green from last year, okay? Deep winter green, go to the middle page. These are all of our partners, These are all of our partners, okay? When they continue pressing on, then the mission of Jesus is, that's a part of the mission of Jesus continuing on. So every day this month, you could just pick one of these partners. You can just go down the thing. We even got pictures for most of them. Well, two of them and a sketch. Anyway, pick a partner. Pray for them. Lord, empower these folks. Help these folks. Pour your love out on these folks. Keep them going forward. Let their efforts for your kingdom flourish. You can do that every day this month, and you can get through this multiple times. And when we pray in that way, we're taking a, we're taking a baby step toward, hey, I want to be a part of this thing that Jesus is doing. If you want, like, some real extra credit, reach out to these folks. And if you need their contact information, LJ would love to have his email inbox filled up with, hey, how do I get in touch with Matt and Bethany in Central Asia? Reach out to them and say, I was praying for you this morning, and I hope that the Lord would encourage you today. And if there's a particular way that I could encourage you, please let me know, because I would love to do so. I'm just telling you, keeping field people on the field is a gift that the church needs to double down on. Some of these are local. Like call them and say, hey, how could I go and help you this week in your ministry? Or just show up with donuts and say, we love you and we wanted you to be encouraged with some extra carbohydrates. Be warmed and fed. Second, think of three people you know who are far from Christ. Three people that you know who need the gospel of Christ, write them down, put them in your phone, make a reminder and just pray daily, Lord, would you open a door of salvation for fill in the blank? And then, Lord, would you help me step into that opportunity? I remember giving a list like this a few years ago and one of you who's in this room right now came up to me afterward and said, hey, your oldest son, he's, he's on a list that I pray for every day. And at that time, my son was kind of hard to the gospel. And when the Lord opened his heart, he believed. Like we celebrated together because God did it and it was beautiful. Third, invite people to church. Invite people to church. Somewhere along the way, like mission strategists kind of started to poo poo inviting people to church. Like that's the easy way out. These are baby steps. Take the easy way out. Invite people to church, let them hear the gospel. And if we quit preaching the gospel, don't invite them here. Take them somewhere else. Invite people to church. Fourth, when you come to church, engage with guests and visitors and people you've never seen as if they were brought here to hear the gospel and consider Jesus for the first time. Be a welcomer. Be warm. Be kind. Help people find what they need. Show them the mediocre coffee. Show them their way down the one hallway. But help remove obstacles. We're here for the gospel to go forth. Fifth, are we on five? I always do bullet points in my notes and then I talk in numbers. It's a really bad habit. Fifth, fifth, Make space in your life to share meaningful time with people who are far from Jesus. Invite somebody out for a cup of coffee. Share a meal at a restaurant. You don't even have to pay. Invite people into your home to have beans and rice and whatever it is you have on Thursday evening. It doesn't have to be elaborate or extravagant but just invite people in and listen and care and give space and time because the Lord works through that. Sixth, learn a simple, clear gospel presentation. Learn a simple, clear gospel presentation. I know LJ and um, Alan Bradley taught some of these yesterday yesterday. I'm a fan of just opening a Bible to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and talking through sin, grace, faith, and new life in Christ. Honestly, if it's faithful to Jesus and you're comfortable with it, like go with it. But hypothetically, if you were on a train and someone stumbled up to you and said, I am persuaded that I'm an enemy of God and I would spend eternity separated from him if I died on this train today, could you help me? What would you say? We don't even have trains around here, but you get the point. (laughs) Seventh, learn about what God's doing among the nations, the, the all nations of Matthew 28. Voice of the Martyrs is a great resource. There are thousands of other great resources, but learn about the ways that God is working among the nations and allow this learning to stir you into praying and caring. And thinking about and encouraging and helping. And maybe you'll end up in one of those nations. Next, go on a trip. Go on an intentional encounter where the purpose is to take the gospel, go overseas. Go to one of those wretched places that's not Nashville. I was going to name a city, but we got, we got such a transitional community, like I'm just not going to fall into that ditch. Um, but go on an encounter with other Christians like a mission trip where the purpose is to immerse yourself in taking the gospel. God really does work in those. It's not the only way, but he works. Ninth. Send someone on a mission trip. If you can't go, send someone on one. There's a whole bunch of teenagers trying to raise money right now to get to Latin America this summer. Send somebody on a mission trip. More than anything, there's nothing salvific about these nine first steps. But if you're sitting here today and you're like, man, I hear what you're saying and I have no idea what to do. I've given you things you can do from your living room. I've given you things you can do on the other side of the world. I've given you things that are free. I've given you things that are very expensive. I've given you things that require five minutes. I'm giving you things that require days and hours. Oh, and Megan's just staring at me like, are you going to say anything about VBS? There we go. We bring (laughs) peoples to us every year for a whole week. Um, It's coming up. In just a couple of weeks. So Megan Dukes, Megan, would love to help you go on a trip to, where are we going this year? To Bethlehem, right in this room. Here in a couple of weeks. Because Jesus is alive and he has all authority, he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Friends, let's be the followers of Jesus who go where he sends us because we believe that he's good, and he's powerful, and he's able. And let's go invite others to him. So our Father and our God, we pray now you would take these words and As much as they're faithful to you and faithful to your scripture and true, we pray you would cause us to to remember them and to be shaped and changed by them. Lord, you're a great God. We are humbled to be called your children. Would you change us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.